Hey folks, it's Marvin Cash. I'm the host of the Articulate Fly, and tonight we're joined by A.D. Maddox. How's it going, A.D.? Really good. Well, that's great. Well, before we get rolling tonight, um, folks, if you enjoy the podcast, if you would do me a favor and share it with a friend, uh, even better if you'd subscribe in the podcatcher of your choice and give us a review, I'd really appreciate it. We're in the process of doing another cycle of advertising. I, that would really help me out a ton. And uh, before we get going, uh, give a shout out to tonight's sponsor, the first fly shop in Bryson City, North Carolina, the Tuckaseegee Fly Shop. They have two locations, one in Bryson City and one in Silva. And you owe it to yourself to drop by either of the shops and visit with Dale and Bobby, visit with the shop dogs and meet the rest of the crew. Well, AD, I always ask all of my guests, my first question is always uh, to share their earliest fishing memory. Oh God, my, <laughs> that's so fun. Um, my bologna sandwich on a hook by a tree in the country with my brother. <laughs> How old were you? God, I think I was five. Yeah. Five. Yeah. Yeah. If you're in the South, it was probably a cane pole, right? It was, you know, there are little sunfish and little brims. Uh-huh. And, um, yeah, we, we always, uh, well, I grew up fishing with crickets and worms, bait fishing and, um, smallmouth bass fishing. My, my grandfather, um, had a lodge with a lake and then my other grandparents had a couple of lakes on their property. So... We fished and swam and fished. <laughs> well, that's great. And I know you're a Southerner. You're from Nashville and you are a war eagle. And I'm always curious about, and I'm a Southerner too, so I'm always curious. And I love the Northern Rockies, so I'm kind of curious about what pulled you out to that part of the world. Well, my sister was out in Denver going to school at Regis College, and I really liked her. And I wanted to, well, we had always go, gone to the mountains in the wintertime to go skiing. That was our family vacation. And I had an aunt that lived outside of Colorado, I mean, outside of Denver. Uh, Sedalia is where she lived. And um, so I really liked the mountains and the skiing and uh, the crisp air. And uh, that's why kind of the pool of getting out of usual places. I don't like to be comfortable too much. Got it. And I know you lived out and you lived in Jackson for a while and you came back east. And I guess until your most recent move, you were living in Nashville and spending your summers in Montana. And then I guess late last fall, you kind of uprooted and moved to Livingston. What was the genesis of that move? Aligning my artwork with my clients. This is pretty much, I, I think, the fly fishing capital of the world. Um, Jackson was, Jackson's super expensive, and it's, um, pardon me for saying my opinion, but, God, there's just so many people there in the summertime, I just don't want to deal with it. So I didn't didn't want to go back there, but I needed to be near a flying airport, one that was like, you know, flights all the time. Yep. Bozeman's expanding step over the hill. So I looked at a map and went any, many, miny, mo, and uh, looked at Livingston. Um, and, uh, you know, this the first building that I saw that I wanted was the one I got. Well, that's great. And I guess it's kind of on the main drag in Livingston, isn't it? It's one block off Main Street. Gotcha. And, and, yeah. so, and so for people that are familiar with Livingston, maybe help them maybe orient like in relation to Dan Bailey's. It's probably like uh, two blocks away, two or three blocks from Dan Bailey's. Um, it's a block off of Main Street. Dan Bailey's is down from the Murray, I believe. So yeah, it's like a couple blocks. Well, that's awesome. And so you said you were moving to get close to your clients, but what's the, um, I guess, what's the artist community like in Livingston? 
I don't really know too much. I mean, I've gone to the 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 Livingston Gallery Association meetings, just a couple of them, because the art walks they, the art walks start on June 28th when I'm having my opening. Um, I haven't met, but a, a few. I'm I've literally landed here and have. I've been breathing paint fumes ever since I got here. Um, I I was gone all winter. Um, I was in the Caribbean and um, got back here at the very end of March, and I haven't seen the light of day. I'm literally uh, eat, sleeping, and breathing paint. That's it. So the social socializing is going to have to occur after, or you know, my opening and after. Because right now I, I'm just I've got tunnel vision severely. No, I I understand completely, and and I understand that you you're from an artistic family and you were you're around art all your life. But when did you decide that you wanted to make it your career? Well, it, it was kind of a it was a progression getting into it and working other jobs, but I, I made the switch when I was 28 when I went into the, you know, a main gallery in Jackson hole. And the, the first piece, this has been written up so many times, but my first piece sold in 20 minutes out of this gallery and, and the owner was fronting me money. So, uh, so I could paint and I quit my job at the hospital so I was moonlighting my art, and um, and I went for it, <clears throat> and and that was that. And I haven't stopped painting since. I mean, I've had some breaks here and there when I've had other stuff to do in life, but it's been my job for what twenty two years now. I'm fifty. Yeah, no, I'm I'm getting close to that this fall. My fiftieth birthday's <clears throat> in September. Um, and, and I, yeah, 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 rolls around. No, it seems to keep going by faster and faster. Um, and, and I know you're largely self-taught and, and I was curious about, you know, obviously you, you have a family background, but what gave you the self-confidence that you could accomplish what you wanted to on your own without formal art education? I think that the answer to that question is just some severely self-determined, mm. And I like to do things my way. And I just, uh, you know, my base of who I am is, well, I've, I've always been a really good artist. Now it's come up, you know, from the very beginning, I was still really good. Even, I mean, there were pieces that I did when I was six and 13, um, incredible pieces i think in fifth grade i won an art show so so i i never wanted to be taught because i knew what i was doing enough to to finish pieces and i didn't study it in college i just uh i guess you could say a prodigy i'm i'm definitely in in the ranks of prodigy um just you know, I've just always wanted to find my own way because <clears throat> I don't I don't really think that um, there there's a part of art, the technical side that, yes, it can be taught. But there's another side of it that if it's very dominant, you can create your own tech to to figure out your way. Now, I've done that for many years. I've had my own tech and it. And and whenever I want to learn something, I go to the library. You know, I'll, I'll do some research on Google and 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 find out exactly what it is that I want to learn. And then I go get a book. Um, and and I've done that quite a few times. I mean, a handful of times. And I've I worked with Greg McCuron in Jackson Hole. He mentored me, and and John Banovich has helped me a few times. And and um, but you know, art's not created by committees. It it is a it's a one man show, and you got to love the process of 
doing the art, making the art, the patience. I mean, this brown trout that I'm working on right now is giving me a flipping heart attack. Um, you know, I can't screw up the oil. You know, I, I, I work darks to light. Now, it hasn't always been that way, but but I've, I've learned. Uh, I'm picking up more technique of realism and... And, you know, learning what the masters do, the old masters of yore, you know, they, the, the, the all prema and painting in one shot. That's what I've been doing. I've changed a lot of things because I want to um, increase the quality of the oil painting because I can see further now than, than what I could see four years ago. I can see a lot further now. So that's what I've been up to, and and that's why you know I'm slamming out these paintings right and left because I'm painting them in one shot. And, yeah, 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 and interesting. You talked about you know being self determined. Were you sort of hatched that way, or was that something that your family or teachers or coaches cultivated in you as you were growing up? Hatched. <laughs> I was born that way. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I'd be the first to pick a fight. I'm, de- you know, definitely have been an aggressive little kid with um, three other siblings. And, um, you know, I'd, I never wanted anybody showing me anything. I'd just get out of my way. Got so, it. so I, you know, yeah, I just did, I just did sports where it's just me, you know, like gymnastics and tennis, and I could go out whatever I wanted on my own. But, um, yeah, just really self-determined. Very cool. And and could you elaborate a little bit more? Like I know that you apprenticed in Atlanta, you know, about some of your mentors and kind of how they influenced your style. Yeah, that that was Kami. Hell, I don't even know what, what my style was when I was working with Kami. Um, you know, he taught me a lot about, about art. Um, I was painting an architectural line of his and, um, you know, I was, I was an apprentice. And he taught me about the production end of painting really fast and uh, finishing pieces, um, the business side of art, and, and mainly just just the dedication of going to work every day, uh, even if you're exhausted and painting all day long. You know, getting getting some painting time on my feet in, in the long hours. Uh, he taught me about color. And, um, and, and I think it was really when I was working with Kami that, that I knew that I wanted to do it for a living, but I was always having to do other jobs. Like, you know, I was a cocktail waitress at the Mangy Moose. (laughs) (laughs) Isn't that crazy? That is crazy. Football is what I called it. (laughs) And, um, yeah. And, and then I was working, you know, I was also working in the accounting department of Jackson Hole Ski Resort. And then I would go home and do my artwork. And there were all these guys coming in with all this money and they wanted all this art. So I was painting and doing accounting and, and throwing beers around and making a lot of money. Um, it was a really fun time because I was in, you know, solid production. But uh yeah, Kami. Yeah, Kami was a big one. Yeah, yeah. I- any others? Um, let's see. After Kami, no, no. Okay, and if we kind of come forward to today, and I know you talked about how you've basically just been uh, grinding out paintings uh, since you moved to Livingston, but do you have sort of a a group, a small group of artists like a Derek Young or people like that, that you kind of kick around ideas and kind of talk about stuff with, or, or are you just sort of, um, siloed and kind of working on your stuff and figuring stuff out on your own? No, there's no group. Of, it's funny. Our, our, the difference between a working artist and artist that actually paints is an artist that paints. And then there's people that talk about art. They're two different people. You either you either painting, painters paint. They don't talk about painting. At least I don't. I mean, 
when, when, when I'm not painting, the last thing in the world I want to talk about is painting or art. Um, it's something that I do. It's not something that I spectate. Got it. There's a real difference in that. You can be a spectator in life and look like critics. You know, most critics are, if a, a critic of art is a failed artist, that's why they pick apart people's paintings. So, so, you know, you have people that look at stuff and then you have people that, that do it. And the ones that are doing it, I mean, I'm sure Derek DeYoung is super busy. And when he's not painting, I'm sure he wants to go do, go fish and do fun things with his wife as, you know, a lot of other artists, I'm sure they want to go play. Um, yeah. <laughs> That's what I have to say, say about that. <laughs> there, um, there you go. And, and I know that your favorite medium is oil on Belgian linen. And how did you kind of arrive at that preference? Well, this kind of changed a little bit. I'm back on canvas now. Okay. Um, it's, it's just a lot easier. I was having problems with the glue downs and I didn't want to buy $400 canvases. So, um, yeah, the company that was doing them, kind of disappeared and then I was having to get them from Florida and literally it's 400 bucks a canvas. So I just kind of scratched that and went back to, uh, the, the stretched canvas. Um, what, what was your, your question, the rest of that question? Oh, sure. So I was just trying to understand how you arrived at the, your preferred medium. Yeah. I mean, it's been, it's been a, you know, obviously just a little bit of a journey. Um, I, what, what my main goal to do with the art is to spend the least amount of time that I can to finish a piece without taking shortcuts on the, the quality. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, so there really has to be an A to B going on and and the canvas, does it really matter? Yeah, you know, it depends on, it, it depends on if, if you're, if you're painting with thicker oil, thicker oil is a lot more fun to paint on Belgian linen that's been glued down. Um, and if you loosen up the oil a little bit where it's a, a little bit more runny, oh, well, you can paint on pretty much anything. You know, a softer canvas is a lot easier. So it's the tooth of the canvas, you know, uh, right now I'm, I'm painting just on uh, uh, primed, you know, cotton and it seems to be doing all right. But then I have got some canvases that, that have got teeth on it. You know, the, the canvas has got a, a pretty good tooth on it. So um, I, I'm, I'm just kind of figuring it out as I go. Um, but, you know, then again, the goal is just to get the piece done. I want things off the easel. Nothing can sit very long. I just got to get it done. I'm only interested in getting things done. Um, got it. Yeah. Got it. Done. <laughs> done. Yeah. Uh, and, and so um, how would you, you know, so you've been painting kind of professionally for a little over 20 years. How would you describe your style and, and how has it evolved over the years? Well, I, I think it was a much more graphic type art in the very beginning, say in the, you know, 80s, um, early 90s, even through the 90s to 97, 98. I started loosening up the brush strokes a bit. Um, Style-wise, I mean, I don't know what would, what you'd call it. You know, I'm not that... Um, I'm definitely getting more into realism, photorealism, trying to, to pull off these incredible effects to make it look like, you know, you took a picture. And, um, and I've been doing that all along to a certain extent. Like the trout might be photorealism, but then the background's going to be a bit abstract. Um, 
it, it depends on the photo that I'm working from. And I just let each piece kind of go and do what it needs to go and do to get that signature on there. Um, like the piece I'm working on right now, it's definitely photorealism. It's, it's like I'm playing a game of operation every time I have that paintbrush as I'm closing it down, you know, to the, to the, the final brushstrokes, you know, it's real, I got to, you know, breathe in and hold my breath and do a breath, do a brush stroke. And then, you know, it, it's definitely uh, giving me a heart attack, those pieces right now, because it's getting into the, the you know, the line's got to be just perfect. So, um, yeah, photorealism, I'd say. Oh, fantastic. And, you know, you're you're known for your approach to layering as well as your focus on a sim- single subject. How did that weave itself into your style over time? Well, the layering... Uh, originally started just because the the oil was drying and so I would I would paint till I got this base and uh and and it would dry and then I would do a lot of glazing to um make it more realistic and and do the the tinting around the sides of the fish or have the effect of the water I was doing a lot of glazing which is incredibly time consuming and um obviously right now i'm not doing any layering at all i'm painting all the promo which is painting this in one shot if there's a light area of a painting then i'm going to go ahead and paint it instead of doing all this glazing work that's just where i'm at right now um you know the jury's out on my new stuff and uh Really, the test of it is, is this going to sell? Well, you know, I just sold one off the easel last week. So, you know, I just signed it and and I sold it. So um, we'll see how this new technique is is received, but I, I can't stay the same. I have to continue to get better, which means getting uncomfortable, which means doing, trying new things, you know, new brushes, new, new oil consistency, new canvases, new techniques. That's just where I'm at right now because I've been doing the old style for so long and I just got bored. That's why my production was really low. I got bored. So I needed to buy a gallery and get my game going. Um, you know, give myself some really big problems basically is what I did. Yeah, no, I, I can completely understand that because in my world I get bored pretty quickly too. So I have to keep moving from thing to thing. Um, yeah. Yeah. I I was, you know, living in downtown Nashville and high rise my dad and brother owned in the penthouse with a studio in the basement. I was completely set up and I saw myself being there until I was in my eighties and I just said, you know, get out of here. <laughs> get get moving as fast as you can because it's way too much comfort, which doesn't bring about necessity level for massive production you need a necessity level right yeah no it's Something interesting to get you moving yeah i always mm-hmm. say art never happens in suburbia right um at least that's, no, at least that's what that's what i think so yeah and fat bank accounts don't help either i mean sometimes you have to go spend a little bit of money to really start you know feeling the itch um well that's kind of what happened anyway so um it was a good change, you know. I don't think there's anybody that's ever made it that hadn't stuck their neck out there. Yeah. No, I I think, you know, as I kind of look across various professions and is that, you know, if you're not passionate, you won't be successful, right? So whether you're Steve Jobs or whoever you are, that seems to be the kind of the common denominator um for kind of finding real excellence, right? Um Yeah, obsessed. It even goes to the word obsessed. Yeah. Like it's Yeah, an obsession. Um, I would definitely say I'm in the category of obsessed. It's not a bad thing. And you, you've said that you are, you're an artist that fly fishes. So when did you come to fly fishing? Well, I was painting the trout before, before I had learned how to fly fish. That was in 
2000. I think I started painting trout in 99. And, uh, you know, I was painting from photos and into pieces were selling. So I kept painting this, you know, trout on furniture, carbon painting furniture. And uh, my dad had this house. He's, we've got a vacation home down here in Paradise Valley. And, you know, he said, why don't you come up and, and we'll go fly fishing. And I just got really excited about it because I wanted to see what these, these fish look like. I wanted to take pictures. This was back in the day before digital cameras, you know, were really big. And um, so I learned, I believe it was in 2000 was when, when I learned how to fly fish. And it was so frustrating. Oh, my God, that line was everywhere. <laughs> and um god i mean it was it was it was really frustrating but i picked it up rather quickly and i always went out with guides i'd trade them out for some art and and i was into it you know when i was in jackson hole but then when i moved to nashville it flipped away because it was a real production to go fly fishing real production and that's one of the beautiful things about moving back out here i can go fishing now um, but, but I needed to go home to Nashville for a while cause I wanted to, uh, rebond with the family. You know, my parents are getting older and seeing as that they're not dying. I said, Hey guys, you know, I got to split. <laughs> so, so I split, but they also, you know, dad comes out here in the summer. He's right down the street. It's going to be at my opening. The family's flying out. So, um, I'll get to see them living here. Well, that's, that's awesome. And, and so I, you say you, you learned with guides, but do any kind of fishing mentors stick out in your memory on the fly fishing side? Uh, you know, Bob Chula, Tom Montgomery, these guys from Jackson Hole. Um, I have to think. It's hard to think. I've just been painting 10 hours, let me see. Um. And then when I went to New Zealand, I went there for five weeks and fished with guides. One of them was Mark Buckingham. I fished with him. I think he's, I forget the name of his business. Um, He's on the South Island uh, out of Wanaka. And uh, I fished with him for three weeks and learned a lot. I just picked it up from, from guides mainly. Um, who taught me how to fish. And I've dated some fly fishermen. That's always great. They teach you how to fish and you're dating them. So it's yeah. perfect. Uh, um, yeah, I'm for some reason, my brain's not working to think who's the fly fishing. Yeah, Bob Chula was, was pretty good. Yeah, well, we'll, we'll he's a pretty good teacher. Yeah, so we'll we'll stick with him, and I think based on our conversation, I know the answer to the next question, which is, do you prefer fly fishing in the east or in the west? Uh-huh. <laughs> west, west, west is best. Yeah, it's it's interesting. Yeah. yeah so I just got back from fishing in the Smokies, and you know, I I fish out west too, and I kind of love them both for different things, but. Um, I always tell people my soul lives in Montana. Um, oh, and Jim Carconan. Got I it. was with Jim in Sun Sun Valley. He took me out to go get my first trout. Yeah, sorry, that just it was delayed there. Had a bit of a calm lag. No. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, the you know the terrestrials out here, you can put on a big fly, big hopper, and these guys come up. Uh, I think the fishing I did outside of Nashville is a bit more way technical. Tiny, tiny, tiny little, little flies and they have to have droppers. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. It sounds like that might, yeah. It might've been the South Holston. Yeah. They were, I was on the Caney Fork. I fished on, that's the only place I fished and then I'd come out here and fish. Um, yeah, that was, uh, it's kind of different when you're in a city because you're in a city. 
doesn't really facilitate, you know, doing this massive production to go fly fishing, you know? No, it's so. a, ha- it's a hassle to leave Charlotte to go fish for sure. Um, and, and I guess, do I understand correctly that you, re- one of the real drivers for you to get into fly fishing was, um, the gallery owner suggested that you should paint trout and then you were kind of running out of photography to, to paint more trout. So you're like, I got to get out there and fish to get more ideas about how to paint trout. Yeah, I wanted to see what they looked like. I wanted to take my own photos, and then that opened up photography. And um, that's what got me going to New Zealand was to go capture all those big fish. So, um, yeah, that kind of kicked it off. Every time I go fishing, I take my camera. And and I had a good one um, at the time, you know, Canon. And, uh, and I'd shoot them and I'd paint for my pictures. And then of course I've had a lot of people give me pictures to paint from. So that's been really nice. So if somebody gives me a photo to paint from and they give me permission, then I paint it and then it goes to print and I send them the first print as a gift. Number one in 90. Oh, that's cool. That's what I do. Yeah, it's kind of a, you know, exchange to say thank you. Um, But uh, I can shoot out here, you know. Absolutely. And so, you know, it's interesting since you started painting trout before you started fly fishing, you know, how has, can you kind of talk a little bit about kind of how the thread of an evolution of, your life as a fly fisherman has kind of interwoven itself with your life as an artist? Well, I have to go out and get material to paint from. And, you know, I did a lot of shooting up in New York. Um, I I, I did it at a trout hatchery and would feed them and get the rise. That's how I did that. And I would substitute the shots with the fly instead of, you know, the little pellets. That's how I did that, but I had to capture them. I've shot twice at hatchery to get them, you know, get them on the rise. Uh, but yeah, pretty much, you know, after I get this production run done, I've I've got Mustang horses that I'm doing, just kind of branching out a little bit. But I can't abandon trout because that's what I do, and it's my successful action. So I'm gonna have to go out and and get more shots of of trout. But uh, let's see, it was a couple of summers ago, I went out with Brian Wimmer from Sundance Fly Fishing and Ryan Kelly, and he's a guide on the uh, the Green River. And, you know, I figured out a way to really get these guys in the water the way I want to, playing around. Um, you know, it's, it, gosh, this, uh, Ryan Kelly knows spots. To, he takes tons of photos of these guys on the rise, which is amazing. And I know that, um, you know, there's certain spots you can do that. I haven't found one yet, but as long as I can get the trout in the water on the line, um, it's pretty much just a free-for-all with the camera to see if you can get something uh, out of all those, you know, hundreds of shots that you take to get you know one good one um it's it's a crazy adventure but i have um a lot of guides you know that that'll take me out to go get these shots um yeah yeah and so is it for you is it always a photograph um or do you keep a sketchbook um you know sort of how does the the funnel work for your ideas well, I, I go from photography. That's how I like to work. Um, you know, sketching sketching's fun, but it's a bit too slow for me. Uh, I, I like to, um, you know, if I'm going to go out there and sketching's not really my medium. I'm not a sketcher. Can I draw? Yes, I can draw. But um, I like to to paint. So it's real simple, you know. I've got to, I've got to do the grid lines and get the the piece drawn out. But even that's a technique in its own um, to get, you know, to get your um, I, f- I forget what it's called. 
um, you know, this measuring device to measure from different focal points of the fish to kind of get it to size. And, um, you know, I, I can draw out a certain extent, but then the paint goes down and I know where, you know, my lightest light is and my darkest dark is and kind of navigate from there uh, to, to get it in perfectly. So I, I guess if there's any sketching done, it's going to be in the studio is what I'm trying to say. Got it. And so um, what makes a, a photograph jump out to say, I want to paint this? Well, it's got to be the focus of the photograph. I need detail. And it's hard to ask a trout to stand still. So, you know, he's going to wiggle and move. So I go on the shot to see if I can, if if it's got, I mean, sometimes, you know, you can't always paint specifically from a photograph because there's going to be things within the photograph that don't work. And you take out, you know, that that's when I take out things that I don't want and have to use my imagination to navigate around those things. Um, but it's mainly the focus of the trout and the position of the trout. It's, it's just the artist's eye to see if it's something that I really want to paint. Um, if it looks yummy, then I'm going to take it, you know. Got it. And, and I guess, you know, I know that you're you're painting a lot you know, back day after day, 10 hours in the studio, do you prefer, I guess I'm always interested about how artists create. Do you, do you prefer to paint every day? Um, and do you do it most days of the year and you take vacations like I guess non-artist people do, or do you kind of go intensely, um, for short periods of time to, to produce your work? Uh, well, right now, because, you know, I'm in obviously a new game because I've got the gallery, uh, I'm going to be, I mean, I've been painting for five weeks, five or six weeks solid. Um, I'm probably going to paint at least minimum of six days a week, um, and go hard because I can now, you know, the setup's all different. I've, I've, I've redesigned my studio as, you know, before I was painting with, uh, you know, I had white walls and white canvas. Everything was white. So it's getting so much reflection and, and now it's, it's more fun painting. I'm having a lot more fun painting because my setup's different and, you know, I found a way to get these pieces done a lot quicker. So I really am obsessed with staying at the easel and painting. I want to see if I can, you know, crank out as many pieces as I can this year. Um, But, you know, to answer your question, yeah, I'm kind of into painting right now, six days a week. Right now I'm doing seven, but... I'll probably go to six days a week and take a weekend off here and there. I'm I'm going to play a little bit in summer and then in the winter, it's going to be production time because it's going to be cold and windy here. Yeah. And, um, and you know, vacations right now, I'm sick of airplanes, so I don't really want to see one for a while. I've been flying a lot the last five years and um, I just kind of want to hunker down and, and get a lot of stuff done. Yeah. And I mean, even if you weren't preparing for a show, I mean, kind of what I've inferred from other interviews and articles I've read about you, I mean, you're painting seven or eight hours a day, every day that you're painting, even if you weren't doing a show. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty into it. I mean, it's, it's kind of like the mafia. I don't think I'm going to get out of this thing alive. I tell you what, it, I'm, I'm pretty much, in it for the whole, the games finishing as many pieces as I can, you know, quality pieces. And, um, just, yeah, it's pretty much my life, I guess you could say. No, I I totally get it. And I, I, you know, another question I have kind of about how you produce your work, um, you know, 
you know, I know you're very rigid in terms of what time you start and finish and very disciplined. And I have a suspicion that you probably, when you started painting for this studio opening, you probably had a queue of ideas that you wanted. Um, and you're just kind of methodically moving through them. Am I correct in kind of inferring that from kind of the way you work? Yeah, I started on a lot of pieces a year and a half ago. I think there were 50 that I started and they've all been, they've all had their base coats down. Most of them, I think there's four that don't. They're, they're white canvas, which I'm not going to finish for the show. So the backlog's what I want to get done. I don't like having any backlog because, you know, it holds you back. It's something that's not finished. So, so the show was, okay, I just got, I flew in March 27th. I've got, you know, two and a half months to finish 40 pieces. I think I counted 40 on the lineup and it ended up being 42. So the countdown's been trying to finish 42 paintings. Now I'm running a week behind schedule. Am I going to make the deadline on all those pieces? Probably not. Probably not, but I'm going to finish all the trout that I have in backlog. Got it. And how many pieces do you have going at one time? Well, I've got, I had started 50, so they were all going. I was popping them up and doing base coats, but I'm doing a different style of painting now. So I'm just taking one piece and finishing it and then going to the next and finishing it. So now I'll probably have. I'll probably do rounds of like 10 to 12 pieces um, and, and roll through them that way. Interesting. Not 50. I'll probably start at a little smaller number, um, but I call them a batch. So I'll run a batch and then, um, you know, finish them all. And then do another batch, go out and do the photography. But, but it's going to depend, like I'm, I'm kind of navigating this new system right now because I'm in a great playground. So I can go out in the summer and take all these photographs. You know, once the show rolls, there's a gallery walk every month. And I'm dying to get this backlog done. However, I also have to take advantage of the warm weather here and all the fishing days to get out and get the shots. And then I'll have, uh, I need tons of material to paint over the winter because I'll be almost completely out. You know, after rolling this 50, I got to, I got to get new stuff. No, got it. And so when you create your pieces, um, do you create them for yourself or do you create them for a particular audience and you work on them until you're happy with the way they are for that audience? Well, I, I, uh, kind of the last thing that I'm thinking about is when, when I'm doing a piece is, I guess it's all, it all centers around It all centers around exactly what I want to do with the piece. You know, there's commissions. When you paint in commissions, you know, somebody's got to give the, you know, the approval that they like it or whatnot. Um, but these are my own pieces. So, you know, I'm just painting them the way that I want them to be. No. And, People, I mean, my stats will show that people like my artwork. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think we got plenty of data points on that for sure. Um, yeah. It, it, yeah. And so, when, go ahead. I'm, I'm just going to paint good art. That's what I'm going to do. And then my job is to make sure it's the best piece that I can possibly do in that given moment of time. And when people look at one of your original uh, works, how many hours does that represent of your time? 
you know, each one's got a timesheet. You know, some some roll 20, some roll 40, some roll 60, some roll 80. Um, it varies um, depending on what I eat. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> it's all about eating the kale. Hyper, it's all about the kale, right? Yeah. Sometimes, you know, I'm dancing too much and I'm painting kind of slow because I'm dancing. Um, techno music will do it to you. Um, yeah, they, they, it really depends on the detail of the piece. If if the piece has got like the one I'm on right now, it's got a lot of detail. I definitely have rolled in forty hours on this so far, um, and it's probably going to go to the fifty or the sixty mark, or maybe it's got fifty already. I haven't tallied up the hours, but um, yeah, they they just vary. Uh, it, it it it's like a puzzle, you know. Can you really time if somebody gave you a different puzzle every day to to work? You work that puzzle and then it's done and then you start a new puzzle. And I'm talking about the thousand piece puzzles. Well, some pieces are 500 piece puzzles and some are thousand, some are 2000. So that's what I'm talking about with the detail. Sometimes I can see a little bit further what I want to do to pull something off. And like this trout right now, I mean, this is a kick in the pants. I'm having an awesome time on this brown. The detail is driving me crazy. But it's also intense. And I like the intensity. I like the, you know, the increase in my heart rate and the blood pressure. It's like, yeah, this is this is jumping off, you know, the bridge in New Zealand with the bungee cords. This is a good time. It's exhilarating. I'm into it. That, that's not all. all pieces are like that you know they they it, it then you go on the photograph what how much details in the photograph what are you, what are you going to do are you going to consolidate are you going to paint all that detail are you going to squint your eyes i mean it depends on what mood i'm in and during the day as to what i'm going to do or how i was when i started the piece um but all the all the pieces of the puzzle got to fit because it's going to get a signature on it so it's a game it's a big game. <laughs> no, it sounds sounds awesome. And, and, you know, when you see your work or your style of painting copied by other artists, does it make you angry that they're being lazy or do you sort of view it as an evolution of art, of the art in general? Well, you know, it's funny because there used to, there's a saying that says, you know, uh, copying is the lowest form um, you know, what, what, what does that saying go? Yeah, about? I, th- I think it's imitation is the sincerest form of flattery, which I don't think is true, yeah. but I don't believe that, but that's, yeah. Okay. But, but I, I think you have to really look at the root of these people that copy the work. First and foremost, these people are inspired. It inspired them to create. Wow. That is fantastic. Because you want people creating. That's how life gets done. You create it every day. So, wow, my work inspired them to create. Well, great. What's their next piece going to be? I think it's incredibly uh, flattering for somebody to copy my work. But the ones that are doing it are also, uh, you know, they're, they're beginning artists. They're they're not like these they're they're not doing it like the the people that were doing it in China and they had to contact contact the company to knock it off. They're doing it to sell it. That's a whole nother thing. Um, and and then of course you know my job is just to outcreate anything that goes on. So people are copying the work and they're inspired by it. Great. Well, change your game. You know, get get running so fast. Be you know, pull Carl Lewis here. You're running so fast, nobody can catch you. So that 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 again goes. You know, the game of change, change and get better and better and better and stay out in front of of whatever. Keep pushing, pushing really hard. 
get uncomfortable. Go places that you don't want to go. Go places that you have a rough time confronting. Go look at it. What's it like? Wow, it's a little rough. Good. Do it some more. Do it some more. You know? Competence. Yeah, and that's the... Yeah, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you. Yeah, it takes practice, you know? Practice, practice. Oh, that's really uncomfortable. I could definitely tell you, you know, this trout is definitely getting one on the easel right now. It's getting my blood pressure up. Well, good. Paint pain at this level all the time, you know? It, and I know that's exhilarating, but it's also can be exhausting. So how do you recharge your creative batteries? Um, well, the, I don't need any recharge on the create. The only thing that needs to be recharged is the body. My body runs out of pain on my feet. So after 10, 11 hours at the easel, you know, I'm ready to, kick my feet up and I don't want to do anything. I just want to prop up the feet, turn on a good flick and then go. I usually just go to bed. That's how I recharge. Um, but I definitely, there's, you know, my creative juices don't stop flowing. They're always there like a light switch. You flick on the easel lights and there we go. (laughs) Time to create. Interesting. And do you bring the same level of focus to your fishing that you do to your art? No, I don't actually. I'm a professional painter. I'm not a professional fly fisherwoman. So in a lot of ways, I mean, you could put me in the category of an intermediate fly fisherwoman, you know, then you have people like Meredith McCord and and Rebecca Red, I mean, you know, they're like really, really good. They do it all the time. That's their job. They're professional fly fisherwomen. I'm a professional painter. So when I go out and fish, it's just fun. There's no pressure except, you know, I need to get my shots. I need to catch trout and get it on film. But, uh, but I, I definitely enjoy myself when I go and fish because I usually go with really good company. I go with a guide, somebody knows what he's doing, and and I learn a lot. And it's just relaxing for me, really. It's like uh, that's how I get my breath of fresh air is to go out and do something, you know, that's not on the easel. Yeah, fantastic. And. And, and, you know, talking, I wanted to shift gears a little bit to the kind of the commercial side of the business. And, you know, obviously you're one of the most well-known brands in the fly fishing art world. And, you know, I was wondering if you could share the moment that you, you know, you knew you were going to move beyond being successful uh, as a full-time artist and becoming a brand, right? Because I think there's a difference between, you know, like you started out and you were kind of doing your art when you weren't working and then you knew you could do it full time, but then there's a big difference to start to doing covers for LL Bean and things like that. Yeah. I mean, that, that too was a progression. Uh, I think, I think it was 2007 when Grace Sporting Journal asked to publish my work and I said, well, how about the cover? (laughs) They gave me the cover. I was like, yeah, this good stuff. Mm-hmm. And that was a real highlight for me, this Grace Sporting Journal, because that's such a huge magazine. And then uh, Patagonia contacted me in 2009 and wanted to print my work on shirts. So just from the beginning of that, that was just 10 years ago, not that long ago. Um, you know, Patagonia was 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 a really big deal for me because it helped greatly, you know, get my artwork known and out there. Um, And the funny thing is, I haven't really thought about it. I've been, the things that my brain gets racked around, my mind is this, you know, when I'm not painting, if, if I'm by myself, 
I might be thinking about my artwork, you know, depending on what I have to do. Okay. So, so this, I, I didn't, I didn't really think about it. My job is thinking about, um, and doing good art. That's, that's what I'm always thinking about is, is, um, if I even think I just kind of do stuff to get it, getting the pieces done, doing the best piece possible and then pumping it out there. You know, I've got pretty good communication skills and, when when I finish my artwork, that's time for all the PR, and I and I do that, you know, um, you know, making your works known, right? Finish a painting, make it known. So that's was my you know successful action. I kept sharing the artwork with the contacts that I needed to share it with. But you know, Montana Fly Company has been huge for me and a beautiful company to work with. I'll probably be with those guys till I'm till I'm six feet under. Um, but but they are they're just a they're a beautiful company and they've done a lot for my artwork. And um I'm I'm incredibly grateful with all the success. Um, but it is, it's a progression over time. The thing is, you know, the key to that is you just don't stop creating, right? You keep feeding the beast. No, that makes sense. But, and how did you learn the business side? I mean, was it trial and error and you just were relentless and, you know, you just kept pursuing more and different people in the industry? Um, or did you have a mentor? Do you have agents that kind of helped you kind of learn the commercial side of being an artist? Well, for me, these people contacted me. Uh, that was, that's been the really lucky thing that's gone on is all the people I'm with have contacted me. I didn't reach out to them, those guys. Um, so that's, that's kind of what I was trying to tell you. You know, I've been busy painting and then these people will contact me and um, definitely, you know, I'm definitely into getting my artwork in as many places as possible. However, a lot of the stuff you learn as you go and and when you start getting where your work's on with so many companies and it's on so many things, I have to kind of watch it. it what images are with what company? What is it being produced on? Um, so if it's with T-shirts with Patagonia and another company calls me for T-shirts, I usually talk to you know Patagonia and talk to this company and say, you know, wait a second, you know, there if if any two companies are being competitive, then I can't do that. Right. It's yep. not ethical. Yep. So there's ethics that come into it. The greatest good for the greatest number of people. How are you going to make this work? If Tiva contacted me to do shoes or Nike, I would be like, you know, heck yeah, I don't have any shoe lines. Right. And then when Buff contacted me, Montana fly was rolling and, uh, and, you know, I just, I have to kind of just make sure that everyone's happy. That's my job. And that's, that's business etiquette. It's called good manners, you know, <laughs> yeah. it, get along well with other people. It, and, you know, how do you manage that tension between, you know, being successful as an artist and being commercially successful? Cause that seems kind of like the next iteration of getting along and, having business etiquette, but you know, how do you do that? Well, a lot of it's common sense. If you really look at it, I mean, it is common sense. Um, yeah, it's definitely common sense. I think, yeah. it, I mean, business comes, business comes very natural to me. Um, you know, hire out as many things as you can. That's, that's my job is to make sure that, you know, websites, uh, you know, uh, print production. I mean, you know, I don't want to deal with that. There, there's like so much stuff that I hire out. So, cause I make my money standing at the easel. So anything that pulls me off is, it's gotta be hired out. That's how you expand. Right. Yep. 
No, that makes a lot of sense. Have you ever, you know, felt pressure to do something that was too commercial and you regretted it later, or have you been pretty lucky? No, anything that comes my way commercially, I'll totally bite. Um, if Walmart came my way and wanted to run something, I'd say, heck yeah. Um, I don't have any problem with success and I have no problem with expansion. Um, as long as it doesn't pull me off the easel. If it's pulling me off the easel, I have a problem with it. But these companies, you know, they, they take an image and they do their thing and I do my thing and they promote my artwork and we have an exchange, you know, uh, they win and I win. I get it. My artwork gets exposure. I make money. They make money because, you know, blank T-shirts don't sell in, you know, particular companies. So it's a win-win when you work it right with people. It's, it's all in balanced exchange. That's how, it, you know, it works. And uh, so I'm definitely a yes person, but now, you know, it, it, when, when you climb, you also have to really kind of look at who you're working with. Right. No, it makes a lot of sense. It could, it could be a really small company, but man, the people, this company's, you know, they're really nice, really sweet people. And they're just getting something going. And, you know, it's a new line. I don't have my artwork on anything like that. You know, why, why not give them a shot? Well, I haven't gotten a check from them. There's a problem. <laughs> so, so, so you kind of, you kind of got to, you know, big companies pay out, right? And smaller companies pay out too, but big companies are a little bit more formal than smaller companies. So it's a little bit of a balancing act. And then it's like when you work with so many companies, you need to get it where it's, a, you know, not, it's just kind of some big companies and kind of keep it like that. Um, no, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It makes, it makes sense. And, and, you know, I know you're, you're sprinting to get to your gallery opening on the 28th of June. Uh, can you tell folks where your gallery is located and give us some details about your grand opening? Yes. It's, uh, my gallery is, uh, uh, it's 114 North B Street. I'm right off of, um, I don't even know what that main street is in Livingston. There's a main street, then there's another street. I don't know what that is. I haven't been able to look yet. But I'm on Google Maps. You can Google Adiomatic Studios. It'll take you here. Um, I believe it's from 530 to 8. Those are the hours on the 28th. And... Uh, the gallery, the Livingston um, art walks going on. So there's going to be a lot of people kicking around down here. And I'm going to have as many new pieces as I can possibly get done. And there's probably going to be some older pieces too. But, uh, you know, I just got here and getting going. So I'm going to do the best that I can. And uh, that's going to kick it off. And, you know, I've, I've never owned my own gallery before, so this is pretty new for me. But I love meeting people. Um, I find people extremely interesting. And, uh, you know, the more people that come by, the better. There's going to be some wine here. And, uh, you know, nothing fancy. Just roll on in. There's no dress code. It's Montana. So I have no idea what to expect, you know, it's, it's a, it's a first time for me, Marvin. Yeah. It'll be neat. Can you tell us a little bit about the pieces that you'll be showing and, you know, if there are any, you know, trout. I guess, yeah, trout, um, any kind yeah, of different themes? No, I'm just painting trout. There's, there's a lot of trout in the water. Uh, usually what I paint is trout in the water. Um, there's going to be some trout skins. I did a, a whole bunch of trout skins 
cute little paintings. There's going to be some flies. Uh, but, but I want it all to be trout. And then I think I'm going to put up one horse and I might say that, you know, that's going to be the horses are coming soon because I want to get this Mustang series done just to see what happens with it. And, um, and then go out and shoot, you know, this summer and see what I can come up with, you know, new stuff. Um, but, but yeah, I, after I started falling behind on the schedule, I figured, well, we'll just go for all the trout. Well, that's, that's awesome. And you want to share your, um, your website address for folks? admatics.com. That's pretty simple. Um, yeah, pretty simple. Yeah. I've and, got originals and, and prints and everything available. And I'm also on Instagram, admatics999. And uh, Facebook, you can just Google and these should pop up. But I, I post almost every day on Instagram and then show all my painting progress on the Instagram story, which also feeds into the front page of my website. Awesome. And I'll put all that stuff in the show notes. And um, I want to make sure I cover everything. So I have one last question for you before we go. Um, if you would share with us your favorite motorcycle ride in Montana. Ooh, I don't know yet. Well, I guess I guess riding down the Gallatin, going to Henry's Fork, you know, through, through their island park. I like doing that, that ride. And uh, I'm going to go down and see uh, Todd Lanning and Mike Lawson at Henry's Fork Anglers. That's one of the rides I'm going to do. But, yeah, Potato Road, Ashton, the Felt Road. We call, I call it the Potato Road. It's not Montana. I haven't ridden up here except for the interstates. But I've done Beartooth Pass. and But I kind of like the old Idaho side, you know. Well, that's awesome. Well, listen, A.D., I really appreciate you spending some time with me this evening. Yeah, definitely. I, I hope that everyone enjoyed the podcast. And if you can come out and see the show, that'd be awesome. You know, I really love to inspire other people and, and help them out if they need any help with their creative process. So um, you can contact me on my website if you have any questions. And don't be a stranger. Awesome. Well, I'll certainly put all that stuff in the show notes. And thanks, everybody, for listening tonight. And like I said at the top of the episode, if you like the podcast, please share it with a friend. Give us a review in iTunes and subscribe in the podcast of your choice. Tight lines, everybody. Good night, AD. Good night.